Hey, it's John Williams. If your home struggled to stay warm this winter, then you know it's going to be hot this summer. Maybe it's those old leaky windows and doors. Call Next Door and Window, the company we hired. Right now, you'll get buy one, get one 30% off, plus 18 months of interest-free financing. So call 1-800-NEXT-DOOR right now. That's 1-800-NEXT-DOOR or go to 1-800-NEXTDOOR.COM. Over? Did you say over? Nothing is over until we decide it is. Third down and goal. And here is Montgomery driving in. Touchdown. The Bears finally score. I'm going to stay heavy. I'm going to stay big. We're going to run the ball. You may not get this close again. And here is Montgomery leaping over for the touchdown. And kicked by Jake Elliott is good. And the Eagles now lead it 22 to 14. Only 25 seconds left. Obviously a, a difficult loss, uh, one that's tough to swallow. It's Hogan Johns. Wimps with play action, throws it, and it's caught by Zach Ertz, and he's in for the touchdown. No, yes, touchdown. And here's Jordan Howard up the middle, touchdown. Coming to you live from Crow's South Loop, it's the Hogan Johns Show. When you go three and out five straight times, and you, you don't know the why sometimes. Hey, we've got a problem here. That's the part to where you can say to yourself, okay, is this something where there needs to be a change, whether it's a play caller or whether whether it's schematically or it's a position. Say again, please. Houston, we have a problem. I would say the overall theme is self-inflicted mistakes. You are correct, sir. That could be a numerous of reasons. Not being locked in. Ding, ding, ding. Overthinking. Too excited. Yeah. We just got to find a way to get back on track. <laughs> if everyone just focuses on doing their job and playing good football, we could easily fix those mistakes. That makes sense. With Adam Hope. That boy is good. That's the best in the city of Chicago. And from The Athletic, Adam Johns. It's going to sound weird, but for a second, I think you took on the shape of a unicorn. Strap it down and get ready. Aye, aye, Cap. From Crow's South Loop to Adams, Hogan Johns. Hey, what's up? Welcome in from Crow's South Loop. We thank our friends from Goose Island for having us out here tonight. It's our Week 10 preview. I love a good 3 one too. Oh, that is the best. That is the best. Take we a got sip the right now. $4 Goose Islands out here at Kroll's, one of my favorite bars because... Adam Johns, it's also a Badger bar. Oh, yeah. I it saw is. the uh, stickers on the windows and right jo- there. And Joey Joro used to live here. South Loop, baby. <laughs> but actually in the bar, he just he had a spot over there by the bar. Well, they didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, welcome in. Thank you for everyone who came out tonight. Uh, we are going to do what we always do at these live shows. We're going to talk about the Bears. We're going to take questions and hopefully provide some answers. I feel like I had a lot more answers when we did our last live show than I do now. I believe you had them at 13-3 and three in our yeah. last live show. Well, I didn't say that the answers were correct. Optimistic. They, they, were, they were definitely optimistic, no question about that. Uh, so, anyway, welcome in for those of you that are not here, too. Follow us on Twitter at Adam Hogue, H-O-G-E, at Adam Johns, J-A-H-N-S. There's probably some people in here, too, that have no idea who we are or what we're doing here. Hey. So, for those people, we do a Bears podcast three times a week for WGN Radio and The Athletic Chicago. Uh, so, if you're new to this, this is a new experience for you, make sure you subscribe. You can find it uh, just by searching Hogan Johns wherever you listen to your podcasts. And uh, we're breaking it down for you, good or bad this season. No and bad. A lot of bad. A lot of bad. Four straight losses for the Chicago Bears. Uh, and you can read us. At WGNRadio.com slash Bears. And Johnsy's stuff is up at the Athletic the athletic app. That's where you get our bonus We already episodes. got it always, always next year. Like five oh, minutes already? into the show. Yeah. There's still half a season left, guys. 
I mean, I know it doesn't look like they're making the playoffs, <laughs> but there's still half the season left. <laughs> it could be a lot more bad football. Yeah. Uh, anyway, where should we start? Every week there's a new controversy when they're losing. There's things that are being taken out of context, and this week it apparently is uh, Mitch Trubisky and his televisions. Yes. Can we get these TVs turned off to talk about this right now? It's a joke. Are they criticizing you? I don't know. Not yet. Not yet. Kevin Fishbane over here looks like he wants to criticize me. Kevin Fishbane is in the house. He'll be joining us here shortly. For those of you that don't know what we're talking about, Adam Johns asked Mitchell Trubisky yesterday a very uh, – Innocent question. I call it innocent. Well, how do you how do you want us to describe it? Direct. Okay. Fair. Topical. But what was topical. it? What was it about? It was topical. Um, it wasn't about turning off the TVs at Hallis Hall. It was about what type of messages he's getting because there's a focus on positive vibes from Mister Positive himself, Matt Nagy, at Hallis Hall right now. Yeah. Uh, here's the question and the answer uh, from Adam Johns answering the question, Mitchell Trubisky answering it. You mentioned this, this positive mindset, to, to use your words last year. If you maintained the, the zero dark ten approach and just hearing certain messages as opposed to <laughs> Yeah, I've done pretty good with that. Um, trying to get some of these TVs in the building turned off because you got too many people talking on TV about us and uh, what they think about us, what we should do, what we are and what we're not. But they don't really know who we are or what we're capable of people or what we're going through or what we're thinking. Um, it's just the outside viewers uh, looking in. And uh, so, yeah, tunnel vision, earmuffs, and just come to work every day and try to get better and get back to what we know we're capable of doing. All right, so you asked the question. Yep. I was in the room. I, I honestly didn't think much of this. And then I got in my car, and I could hear it on sports radio already, of everyone freaking out about it. And then this morning, it blew up nationally, all over yeah, yeah. ESPN. It was NFL on the scroll Network. of ESPN last night. If you literally thought that Mitch Trubisky was walking around Hallis Hall, brand new Hallis Hall, with a remote control turning off the TVs, you're nuts. <laughs> He's not doing that. If he is, he needs a universal remote. But look, people took that way out of context. Uh, I think it was a joke that was missed, but that's where we're at with Mr. Bisky right now. Everybody just wants to pile on. Well, look, I don't, yeah, I don't think he literally meant he's trying to turn the TVs off around Hallis Hall. There are some TVs now. They, they've re- they renovated Hallis Hall this year. They added a bunch of televisions. And it is interesting. You walk around just outside the locker room and, like, the NFL Network's usually on, things like that. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I don't think Mitch meant he's actually trying to turn the televisions off. Now, he did seem pretty serious, though, about the criticism. Yeah. Well, And, and it does kind of come off like uh, you shouldn't, you know – he didn't say you don't have a right to criticize us. It's just it was very defensive, as in you don't know what's really happening inside these in the, inside these walls, which is fine. But what everyone does know is that you're not playing very well on the field. Yeah, which is which is fair. But that's almost a different conversation. Just just to take you inside Hell's Hall again. So they got this brand spanking new gigantic locker room. Everything is new. There are four TVs on either side of this of this massive locker room, and I have not seen once. Live television in there, and we're in there quite a bit. Yeah. Sometimes at an hour or two a day, and you know players come and go. I've only seen schedules. I've seen some play calls. Um, I've seen some tape 
in the past at Old Hallisaw, but I've never, ever seen in the locker room broadcast television. Not in the locker room. Not in the locker room. I know no. they got a new player's lounge. In the hallways in that lounge, I have seen the NFL Network on those televisions. Yes, yes. Well, you know what? Other people use those hallways and lounge other than players. Right. It's not just for the players. Yes. Yeah. It's the entire front office, ticket sales people, marketing people, communications people. They come and go, too. But you're right. He made a joke. I think it's two different conversations. He made a joke, yes, and he is tuning out the noise, yes. But we've been here before, and we were in that locker room. It feels like yesterday, but it's four or five years ago, where Brandon Marshall, remember Brandon Marshall? Yeah, unfortunately. He's walking around yelling at us and handing out bunker-down T-shirts. Remember that? Yeah. Well, he had like a uh, a trivia contest at his press conference. Oh, he's handing out ties to and, us, uh, yeah. And our friend Mark Carmen won a, a green tie. Yeah, we didn't. We haven't had any of that yet this no. year. I don't think we will. But I could use a new tie, yeah, though. Yeah. So I don't know if Anthony Miller wants to come by. And yeah. Looking back at it, now I think Brandon Marshall was the only guy ever to wear this bunker down T-shirt. So to a press conference? No, in the entire locker room. Oh, he yeah. was handing them out. I, I can't recall. Maybe Cuddy never wore one. I think there were others no. that did, but. Not you're right. A lot, of, a lot of times they're just sitting in the lockers. Yes, in the locker. Look, here's the problem, though. I think it's pretty obvious what happened last week. Too, uh, we had the whole thing we talked about on the podcast about him breaking down the TV copy of his body language and things like that. And I think a lot of people took that out of context too. The problem is they're losing football games. That's really what it boils down to. And he's not playing well, so everybody's trying to break down every little thing that he says because there's only one game a week. And the rest of the week, all they have is to look at what happened and what he's saying. That's really all there is to do is look at Sunday's game, which wasn't good, and then what he's saying. Now, I think there's also uh, some negatives in the Twitter reaction world right now, too, that we're seeing at play. And... Unfortunately, things are getting taken right off of Twitter and inserted immediately into the mainstream sports radio and yep. television world yep. with very, very little context sometimes. It's, that's the problem with 140 characters there, my friend. Well, I think it's, what, 280 now? Is it? Yes. Yeah, oh, that's right. They doubled it. Still <laughs> not enough for, for, for context. Well, so we, let, let me get on a soapbox here just for a second, because I know there's other people from the media and sports radio and uh, listening to this podcast. I think everybody, and that includes us, needs to do a better job of processing this information. Okay, what can we do since we're the ones at House Hall? I think we can make sure bef- while we're sitting in these press conferences and trying to tweet out every little thing the second it's said, it's just to make sure that as much context as possible in these tweets. And if you can't, and I'd try to do this, if I can't formulate the tweet like right then and there and I have any doubt whatsoever about it, I shelve it till Delete later. It, yeah. till later yep. Until I can go back and listen to what was just said. Minimize the damage. So that's what we can do. And I, and I think it's actually a healthy exercise to, instead of uh, be looking down at our computers the entire time, to look at the subjects we're talking to. Yes, yes. So, again, I asked Trubisky the question. I was seated in the front row of the press conference room to his left. Direct eye contact back and forth throughout his entire comment. I, I swore there was a little smirk there, too, when he was making this TV comment. I took it. I, I chuckled a little bit. Other people chuckled a little bit. Yep. That's how I read it. He's not talking about turning off every single television in Hallis Hall. 
Now, he does have a message there. He's tuning it out. But this is not unlike any other professional locker room. They all talk this way, tuning out the noise, keeping everything in-house. That's what teams do, especially losing teams. It's exactly what they do. No, don't care. Well, he does. Yeah. So... That's what we can do in the building. And by the way, this doesn't have specifically to do with this. I'm talking about in general, just because two weeks, two weeks in a row, I feel like some things that were said, immediately tweeted, then ended up on sports radio in two seconds. I, th- I think that the way it's being consumed off of Twitter from people who aren't in the press conference also can be careful and maybe say, oh, not just because I'm reading. Can we at least get the audio? Can we play the audio? Can we hear what the question was? Can we get a little... And I know some of these... Uh, sometimes these press conferences get played live, too, which I think is a good thing. Yeah. Um, if you listen to his entire press conference, he actually got testy in about yeah. the middle portion of it. Yeah. People forget that. If you wanted to bring something up and criticize, there was some back and forth with some reporters that Mitch Trubisky seriously did not like. He did not want to entertain some of those questions that were being asked. Very curt, very... Terse, any words you want to use there. But once he got towards the end, and I asked my question, and I don't know if things are based off relationships sometimes, but you know, he gave a more expansive answer, something to actually talk about in his second-to-last response, second-to-last question of his press conference. Well, and that's sort of my point here is, unfortunately, he does that, and then it turns into this firestorm. Well, the next time he comes into a press conference, he's not going to be as... As uh, willing to you, say you brought things. up a good point on Twitter today. Would you rather have him be Baker Mayfield and storm out of there and have a very unprofessional relationship? That's the irony of this. He's, he's playing just as bad. He is, and he's handling himself way better publicly. Yeah, and Trubisky yet, is. Trubisky. That's is. what I'm saying. Yes. Trubisky yes. is handling himself way better than Baker Mayfield is publicly in these press conferences when he's answering questions, and yet it, it's the problem. But again, they're both losing quarterbacks right now. So everyone just wants to pile on them. Here's what I'm going to do. All right? All I'm going to do is what I said. I'm going to try to provide context as much as I can. I'm, but what I'm mainly trying to stick to when I'm going to criticize him or any other player, it's going to be what's on the field. Yeah. Okay? Unless someone really crosses the line and starts throwing people under the bus or something like that in a press conference. But starts yelling, yeah. That doesn't yeah. seem like that's happening with this team. No. And I actually think that's pretty impressive right now. Yeah, I mean, he can be a little in- intense at times during news conferences, but again, it's nothing like we've seen from other quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. The ones that have blow ups and meltdowns, which you see across the league quite often in other press conferences, it's just not there. He's handling himself quite well, actually, I would say, professionally off the field with all those massive struggles he's having on it. Yeah. Well, and that's why... Okay, so let's get to back to the point of this whole thing, um, which is the main takeaway that everyone has is that this guy's fragile and he's being way too sensitive to the criticism or worrying too much about the criticism. Do you believe that's true? I think it's a fair question. I do too. But I think... There's a lot of athletes who feel the same way about social media attention or, or, or the scrutiny or the comments they get. You see it. Like, look at, like at Allen Robinson, perfect example the other day. They lose to the Saints. Uh, he looks at his timeline, immediately gets into This is Allen Robinson, a consummate yeah. professional. Yes. The best player on the Bears. Gets into it with Aaron Nagler, a Packers. Aaron Nagler, a Packers blogger. Yep. Yeah, it was very surprising to see. Yes. But it happened, even with him. But I, They're not immune to it. They're, they're people. 
We get all sorts of comments, too, on Twitter. Yeah. But you didn't see people jumping on Allen Robinson for being too fragile. No. I mean, I think you could question what he was doing, but, you know, he's to me, it's just what's happening on the field matters way more. And I do see a guy that's lacking confidence right now and not trusting himself. That's fair. Yeah. That's on the field. Yeah. I, I think You could see it. I, I just feel like the last two weeks, something he said in a press conference has kind of gotten a little too blown out of proportion. Uh, you love the interception questions like I was counting you for that. And apparently TV questions. The TV questions, yeah. That was my question. That was after a win, too. All right, let's get to a couple other topics before we open up to some questions here from our listeners in attendance at Kroll's. Who's playing center on Sunday? I'm going to say Cody Whitehair. You think so? Yes. Disagree? Uh, This is is where we get into... It's a little bit of a difficult position. Uh, Let me say this. If Cody Whitehair is playing center... They did a good job of masking that in the portion of open <laughs> practice yeah, today. Yeah. Seeing things we never usually see during the open portion of practice. Uh, look, they're going to have their gamemanship, whatever. I'm sure the Lions have plenty of film on Cody Wire playing center and James Daniels playing guard. They played them in that with that line last year, mm-hmm. and the Bears had their way with them. Uh, I think the young center struggling. In terms of, you're talking about confidence yeah, and having the right mentality, the attitude, things you're talking about with Mitch Trubisky. It's the same thing right now with James Daniels, your second-round pick. Yeah, and Cody Whitehair. He's a very green player, 22 years old, struggling mightily in the middle of the Bears' offensive line. So here's the risk, because Cody Whitehair is playing really well, though. And it's kind of hard to make that argument because the entire offensive line doesn't look that great. But he is playing well. He had another good game. I just got through grading the All-22 today. He had another good game the other day. So by putting him back at center, you risk messing with a guy, the one guy on the line who's playing well. He should be able to handle it, though. I agree because he's done it in the and past. And this is a guy who came in as an offensive tackle. was immediately thrown at center, and then he was at guard. Like He, he yeah. switched spots before. This is nothing new for Cody White here. I think it's all about helping Mitch Trubisky. You look at that play, I was going to say yes. You look at that play uh, that everybody's talking about, the Eagles. They blitzed them. Overload on what would be the Bears' left side, and obviously the Bears missed it. Mitch Trubisky got sacked. I almost wonder, Kevin Fishman and I were talking about this today, if it wasn't on Mitch Trubisky, maybe he had the right protection call. And James Daniels looked left, looked right, couldn't see his guy. It was just kind of lost in no man's land. And the yeah. blitz came home. They're bit, whether it's Mitch's fault or... James Daniels' fault, or the coach's fault, <laughs> for that matter. There's been way too many instances this year where the protection has not been right. Yes. Where the numbers have not been right. And again, a lot of that is on your quarterback. To get everything it in is. order, call out the yeah. mic, all but that stuff. But your center can also it's, help it's your quarterback. right-hand man. And, or his two-hand man, whatever I, you want to call it. I, <laughs> two-hand man. I do think there's some truth right now that having a more experienced guy who's seen it all going back to set. So you think this is happening? Yes. Okay. Yes. I, I would even argue it's a bit overdue. Now, it's an admission of wrong. Maybe they should not have moved him. Maybe they go back to it later in the season. Maybe they go back to it in the offseason. But just in terms of finding something that works for Trubisky in this offense, it's more of a – it's not a minor change. I think it's more significant than that. But yeah. it's all that. You need to help your quarterback. This is part of that. Yeah. Definitely part of that. Look at Bob Dabrowski walking in uh, about 30 minutes too late. You could tell he's in midseason form. 
<laughs> Cold out there, huh, Bob? We good there? All right. Um, should, should we bring in Kevin Fishbane now? Kevin Fishbane's in the house. He's enjoying his you okay? three one two in the corner of the you bar. You blew us off the other day. You could, you, you know, you can come on out because this, college football. The next topic we have, I know you're very uh, passionate about. That's why I wanted to bring you in here now. Kevin Fishbane from the Athletic. Everybody, uh, Kevin. Hold your applause. Hold your applause. Yes. Oh, they are. <laughs> Who do you think is playing center on Sunday? Fishman! Did you guys explain why I wasn't down the podcast Tuesday? Yeah, we did when it was happening. We said that they moved the, the locker room time. and So you told them that the, the, the reporters that cover the team on a daily basis were busy, which is why they couldn't go on your podcast. We have other jobs. Why, podcast why they, record. What happened with the time? It's been pretty consistent. Uh, they, it was running late because Mitch was turning all the TVs off around oh. Hallows Hall. So okay. That's why they no, do. don't care. <laughs> Um, what was the question? Who's playing center? Yeah. Uh, I would, if I had to guess, I would guess Cody Whitehair. Okay. I think that uh, the head coach was offered an opportunity today to say that uh, he's not changing anything, that they're totally fine with James Daniels. He declined said opportunity, and I'm going to go with uh, the switch. Oh, he propped that door wide open. Yep. That's, that's what yes. caught my eye. That's all I yes. needed to know. He was asked that same exact question the Monday uh, after the game in London. That Monday morning in London, I think you guys were already on a plane somewhere, uh, but he was asked specifically about switching those, and he shut it down completely. He's like, no, I don't think that's the problem. That was much different than what we heard today. today yeah, yeah. Was, he, yeah. Even him laughing a little bit is revealing. Yeah. Here we are reading everything again in terms of mannerisms, body language, but we've covered the guy for a year and a half now. Wouldn't it be something if the Bears have their best game on Sunday and they make the switch? And it's just like it was all James Daniels' fault. <laughs> I don't know if that's the case, but... I mean, it, it's... You know, look, everything starts at the center, right? That, that, that starts to play. So, you know, th- there's something to be said about a change like that could mean a lot. And maybe there's a comfort level with the quarterback. I mean, he and Cody were like best friends. Yeah. You know, that was his guy. Yeah. So Are they no longer best friends? What do you know about their best no, friendship? No, no, I'm, sure I'm sure they're pals. Yes. Yeah. All right, so let's get to the other hot-button issue that I've never seen a fan base so obsessed about in my life. Mike Davis. <laughs> and being... It, for those that don't know, if supposedly, because this is all based on you know people who somehow have figured out the compensatory pick equation, um, but the word on the street is if the Bears cut Mike Davis by Saturday at 3 p.m., correct? Yes. Then they will get a fourth-round compensatory pick. It's almost irresponsible if they don't. Yes. What was the word you used earlier today? Negligent. Negligent. The general manager ooh, negligence. Ooh, that's a better word than mine. Yeah. So, um, that's the same word I used to describe uh, the decision to not run an extra play or move the hash mark uh, against the Chargers. Negligence. Man, you're breaking the heat today, Kev. Um, it is a little negligent. So take that and think about that for a little bit. I'm not quite sure. Does Mike Davis even have a role on the team? Special teams. That's fine. It's, Ryan clear, they do don't, that. it's clear they don't view him on They got like 50 tight ends on the roster. One of yeah. those guys could block and run down the field. I, I think if, if, you know, and again, they don't know if they're guaranteed a fourth-round pick. Because it's a secret this formula. But if they even think they have a more better than I don't know, 50% chance that they're going to get one, you have to. 
Yeah, I'm pretty sure they got a good handle on the formula. What, what, it's complicated, the comp, uh, the comp pick formula. Once Mike Davis barely played against the Chargers, I think then you knew, right? Because that was the game where they dedicated the run, I formation. That would be a game where you'd use multiple backs, where yeah. you'd use him for everything you said. And it's nothing against him. They talked him up, and they just found and, – and I think it's more a testament to David Montgomery that he's, you know, he was able to step in right away, and he's been fine. So they haven't needed Mike Davis. So why is he still on the roster on Thursday? We saw him at Hallis, today, at Hallis all today. Because if they cut him today, Lions claim him tomorrow, Lions win. Game over. Intel. Game set yeah. match. They win the game on game Sunday. Game set match. Yeah. yeah. You know, it is a fair point. The, the Lions could use a running back right now. They could. And this guy did play a decent amount for the Seahawks last year. I do like the idea, though, that people are worried that Mike Davis would give the Lions intel into how to stop the Bears' offense. As if, <laughs> as if anybody in the world needs to figure out how to... Stop the Bears' offense yeah. that ranks I think in the, the blue, 30s. I think the blueprint's out there. Pretty obvious. <laughs> All right, well, this is such a different tone from our last time we did a 13 live and 3 right here, man. I know. I know. Yeah. No longer. Yeah, but we all possible. picked a Bears victory that. That's true. It, w- it would be something if your prediction was right. Right now? Yeah. <laughs> I would be very no. impressed if you, yeah. you know. We Ra- that once. Roger Goodell pulled some yeah. strings. <laughs> And, and reverse the, yeah. you know, awarded Eddie Pinheiro the uh, the field goal. Yeah, maybe a Chargers player was off sides. Maybe the Saints were using an ineligible player, you know. So it's high school football yeah. now? <laughs> right. Uh, so Mike Davis off the team by Saturday. If, th- if, this is, if they could really get a fourth-round pick, I'm going to say yes, they make that move. And if they don't, I'm with you. I mean, that, there's just absolutely no excuse. And... It's not really Mike Davis's fault. Like I, kind of, I kind of feel bad for the guy that he's in the middle of this. But, you know, the Steelers did this with Dante Moncrief. And there was another team. Uh, Eagles with Andrew uh, Sandejo. Yes. Your guy. Who got picked up by the Vikings. Why is he my guy? Didn't you tweet something about him when he got a penalty? Yeah, he's a dirty player. Yeah. He has been for years. He's, Your back, guy. he's back on the Vikings. He's back on the Vikings. Where yeah. he made that reputation as a dirty player. That's true. Life's a circle. Well, the Bears franchise <laughs> is a flat circle. Just keeps going around and around and around without a quarterback, good defenses. Wait wait till folks see what uh, John Z and I have uh, in a couple weeks at the Athletic. They're going to feel really good about the Bears Yeah, franchise. Just wait. We're like good. what you... Please so, subscribe. Something you guys wrote? We're, we're, we, we're doing a little... Uh, we can give a little preview, right, John? Yeah. The, we're doing a, couple, a little retrospective of the decade. Why? That's going to be painful. So there's a couple. I can't wait. Yeah. So, <laughs> but you'll enjoy it. Yeah. Keep an eye out for that. By the way, good piece on uh, the Bears radio booth. Thank you. I read it this afternoon as I was killing time downtown. So how active is Jeff Joniak in the, the broadcast booth? He's moving around a lot. He's, he's he gets sore after games. So right? yeah. Did you sp- actually spend time in there like during the, during the, the game? The first half of the Colts game. In the preseason, I spent the whole first half in there with them, okay, um, just to kind of watch it. And yeah, Joniak just like doesn't stop moving. And Thayer's like, the opposite. Thayer just sits there and just like boom analysis, boom, 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 like without it, without skipping a beat. And Joniak's like, even even when I sat down with Jeff at Hallis Hall to kind of interview him for the story, and he could barely sit still in his seat, just yeah. jumping around, thinking he's calling a play. It's great. Those two are. It was it was cool because I think people probably don't know how much work goes into what they have to produce every Sunday. It's quite, it's quite it's something. I mean, Joniak watches film. Like, he breaks down he breaks down film of the Bears' opponent. 
Yeah, and I think he should. Um, but but I don't think every play-by-play guy might will do that the way he does. Right, but I thought it was interesting in your story. And by the way, you can read this on the Athletic. It's a really in-depth uh, feature on the Bears radio booth. But I thought it was interesting when he said he was a part of the reason why I watch this film. It's not just like for the game or for the team and strategy and players, but it's actually to like study what the players look like. Yes, and like what clothes they wear, like what socks, how they wear, just so he can help identify him because it's not always easy as people think to be able to see the players in live action and be able to identify all of them right away. Yeah, especially, especially some of these jerseys. Yeah, nowadays, I was say, yeah. I'm kind of glad we haven't seen the, the old the throwbacks of the orange numbers. Oh, those are awful. Can't see can't see the numbers. They're cool jerseys, but like from the press box is so hard to read the numbers. Got to go by uh, body type. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I'm serious. Well, that's what that's what Joniak's talking about. It's part of the reason why he watches film is to just study what they look like without having to look at the numbers. All right, here's what we're going to do, guys. Uh, if anyone wants to come up and ask questions, we're going to do that. Now we have athletic t-shirts. Anybody comes up and asks a question, so we'll do that. Uh, next, first, though, we got our voicemails from Sunday's loss against the Eagles. Our buddy Joey Jojo up here. Joe, there's children in the back. Did you bleep some stuff out? A lot okay. of bleeps. Okay. A lot of bleeps. A lot of bleeps. Here we go. Your voicemails from the Bears' loss to the Eagles. Hello? Do you know who this is? Oh, you didn't know? Your ass better call somebody! The Hogan John's voicemail. The Hogan John's voicemail line. Believe it or not, George isn't at home. Please leave a message at the beep. Got any questions or comments about the Bears? Give the guys a call before, after, or even during the game. 312-222-5050. Go Bears! Pete from Barrington. Seven minutes left in the second quarter, and the Bears already have seven penalties. This is brutal. They can't even get out of their own way. Offensively, Mitch can't even see the field. He can't run. He can't do anything. This thing's a dumpster fire. Chris from the South Side. I'm just trying to figure out why Nagy runs with Cohen on the two-yard line. After Montgomery just gained 10 in the high formation, give it back to Cohen. What the f*** is he doing? Matt from Fort Wayne, Indiana. Adam Shaheen. Total garbage. Hashtag Bears special teams. Mike from Mokina. I'm sorry. You have to fire Matt Nagy. You have to fire Matt Nagy. He was brought in to go and fix his offense. He has not done that. This is a, an incompetent-ass offense. Fire him tomorrow. Thanks. Bye. Gary from South Florida. The 41-year-old male who drank four Natty Light hard seltzers during this game to only watch the Bears crap down their pant leg. How much more can we take of this complete and utter disaster? They give me one good season every five, ten years, and here I am with 40, 50 years left in my life, so maybe four or five good years, carry the one with this team. <sighs> Deep sigh. We suck. Goodbye. Tom from New Jersey. Why can't the Bears run more high formation? It's working. They get away from it, and the offense looks like poop. Get back to high formation, run the ball, play action, and offense can look not bad. All right? Go Bears. Eric from Nanuet, New York. Born and raised in Ohio myself. I was very excited about Mitch Trubisky. Comes from a good family. Had the right attitude. Says the right things. He puts in the work. Unfortunately, I don't think he's got it upstairs. And I think he looks unhappy. I thought finally the Bears are going to draft a really young, promising quarterback high 
in the draft, and they're going to develop him. But it hasn't worked out, and it doesn't look like it's going to, and I'm just heartbroken. Jerlene from Chicago. I'm done. I mean, there, there's really nothing else you can say about this team or what they're doing. I was the biggest Trubisky supporter for as long as I could be, but that's it. You're not going to win with this kid under center, period. Mike, from the wrong side of the cheese curtain. The Bears gave the league a good laugh, notching nine total yards and a half. How the hell can that happen? Was the offense just napping, or did we re-sign the ginger giraffe? Mike Glennon. In the house tonight, by the way, Mike Glennon. Right here next to us up at Kroll. Right? It looks like him. Kevin looks like him. We have a picture of them together. It's hilarious. We it, share it amongst media members. Yes. I'll have to bring that one back out. Uh, I think if some of our voicemailers are here tonight at Kroll's, and uh, we love doing this when we have our live show, so uh, we'll open it up to some questions from listeners here in attendance. Say, uh, name and where you're from. All right, how's it going? I'm Lucas Perfetti. I'm from the western suburbs, Glen Ellen. Um, so this is kind of a, a question about the blocking schemes. When you look at 2017, 2016, like the gaze Loggins type system, it seemed like the offensive line in general moved as a more cohesive unit. Maybe you'd get a seal on the backside, whether it was a stretch or weak ISO, anything along yeah. those lines. How come uh, it, it just seems to me like they're working against the offensive line's uh, skill, strengths or skill sets where it seems like there's a lot more seals from the inside, or is that execution? Because I'm, I'm kind of noticing instead of them moving as a cohesive unit, it's like you, you got to break at center and guard, or center and guard versus the tackle just sealing the backside. You watch the Eagles game. How cohesive did they move? Uh, Quite well, right? They're, I mean, their offensive line is a little bit better, but they also get paid a little bit more. So yeah. it just seems like. You know, you pay uh, a team, essentially, or you're paying your offensive line at a top end. You expect top end production. So it just seems like Matt Nagy should be working to the strengths of our offensive line, letting them use, you know, that cohesion in a sense. Sometimes the angles that the guards are like James Daniels has to get to a linebacker, it just doesn't seem like it's really possible. He's asking these guys to be more athletic, like, in a sense, as athletic as a linebacker, you yeah. know? Yeah, you bring up a good, the, your, your final point there, because I've actually spent a lot of time recently talking to, Former Bears like offensive linemen, guys like Owen Cruz, guys like Jill Hilgenberg, who know more about offensive line play than than anybody in this this, this bar really, and just the focus on the fundamentals of them always stands out when you're talking about the offensive line with them. Even like Jay Hilgenberg who should be in the Hall of Fame in my opinion. If no one's familiar with Jay Hilgenberg, he was the center for the Bears '85 team. Yes. Yeah, he he was on the Brock. He's an out, he was an outstanding player. He thinks they're a step slow. He thinks their fundamentals for the past few years are shot. He thinks that James Daniels specifically is very slow off the ball. So that could be a reason why Cody Whitehair is going back there to get better cohesion, to get things back on track. Um, look, I'm not going to pretend to be an offensive line aspect. When you talk about cohesion, I always think about zone blocking where you have a lot of guys moving in the same direction at the same time so you can have some cutback lanes. It's just not there anymore. You know, I think they're losing They're losing at the point of attack. They're not good with their hands. Uh, there's a lot of problems going on with the offensive line right now, quite it, frankly. Th- there are. I think some of it's scheme. I think part of it is uh, just individual breakdowns, too. Losing one-on-one battles. That's... Um they, but it is they, – they hardly ever seem like they're on the same page, like one through five across the line. A couple times in the last few weeks, there have been 
some sometimes as I'm going through watching tape, but I'm actually able to mark down all five guys did their job right there. Yeah, you know, and, yeah. and it's uh, the 55 was a 55 yard run from David Montgomery, 53 yards. It might be the only play all year. Whatever that was, like that was a perfectly blocked play. Yeah. Cody White here got the seal you're talking yeah. about. The, the first play of the game the other day, actually, I know it didn't go for 55 yards, but it was actually blocked up well. Um, but then you even see the second play of the game where Trubisky obviously checks to something. Yeah. And then the offensive line, going back to, to Hilgerbert's point, off the line, they're slow. Fletcher Cox, I know he's an all-pro, but he jumps the hole between him and Coward. The play is bro- blown up. He gets immediately to David Montgomery. And if you watch that play again and again, there's a hole that forms to the left. Like his lane opens to the left, and you have receivers down the field on their guys. I'm not saying it would have been a touchdown, but you're looking at a good 5, 10, maybe 15-yard run that was there, but Fletcher Cox was Fletcher Cox, and he beat up basically Bobby Massey on that play. Yeah, I think uh, Lucas, right? I think there was an interesting uh, idea of the offensive line, what they're asked to do, and what Nagy's offense is asking them to do. Because remember, only one guy in that line was brought in here with Nagy. That's James yeah. Daniels. Yeah. You know, all the other guys were pace guys who came in in the John Fox era. Even Charles Leno came in with Phil Embry and Mark Trestman. So, the, the, you know, there, there could be something there that there's something missing between the offense that needs to be run and then the, the linemen who are being asked to do it. You know, it, it's if you, if you watch some of these plays, it, it shows you, like, how important it is for everybody. If you're going to break a big play, and I'm not even talking, like, 50 yards. I'm talking, like, even 15, 20-yard run how everyone needs to be basically perfect on their blocks. The scramble Mitch Trubisky had, that could have been a touchdown, but he got tackled at the one-yard line by the guy Bobby Massey was blocking on the other side of the field. Okay, because Bobby didn't make his block. That guy caught him at the one-yard line. That prevented a touchdown. If they don't end up scoring there, that's a huge mistake. By the way, did you see Rashad Coward just like run over Cody Whitehair at the end of that play? Yeah. For some reason? Yeah. That was bizarre. You know, and then Tariq Cohen, when he, remember when he uh, they originally called it a touchdown and then they reversed it? I forget who it was blocking Fletcher Cox on that play. But Fletcher Cox ran from all the way on the other side of the field. Incredible hustle play, by the way. That's why he's an all-pro. But the guy didn't make the block. And, again, came from the other side of the field. We're just talking about 10, 15-yard runs here. We're not even talking about breaking out the 50-yarders. Yeah. One of the reasons why the Bears made a change at running back is they thought that Jordan Howard didn't create enough for himself. It's like almost knowing that, look, nothing's going to be perfect blocking-wise or as good as the Eagles can do, and they wanted somebody who could create a little bit more. So they weren't going to pay him that second contract. That's why David Montgomery is here. Obviously, you see... A little bit of how he could create a little bit more, but there's just too many guys on him sometimes. I mean, he's breaking two or three tackles before he gets a a yard gain. It's a problem. It's a problem. Uh, We're trying to get a second mic set up here for the uh, for the audience. But if you if you do want, come on, Bob. Come on. We know we got to hear from Bob and this guy right here too up front wants to ask a question too. Sounds like we got it going right there, right, Joe? All right. By the way, uh, I forgot to play this earlier. Culture, history, spaghetti. These are the things of a boot country called Italia. Hello, I'm Joe Romano of Romano Tours. For two generations, my family has provided high-quality tours of Italy to people from all over the world, but mostly Long Island and Jersey. Joe, why don't you say hello to the people? Check, check, one, two, There we go. Hey, Joe. Hey, buddy. Hey, buddy. How we doing? Hey, how's it going, guys? 
My name is Vamzi. I'm from Buffalo Grove, live in West Loop right now. So you guys brought up in your athletic episode a lot of the tight end struggles we've been having. Yeah. So what do you guys think about the possibility of Ben Broniker taking the place of either Trey Burton or Adam Shaheen? Because we've seen uh, Broniker come in, like he's had a few catches last season, and he's on special teams now, so we know he's at least working on his blocking rep. So what do you think of that? I guess I got a couple thoughts on that. If they, I think they would have done it by now, you know, maybe he's just not as good as Trey Burton, or is the, maybe he's not as good as the potential of what Trey Burton can be. Um, you're right, Ben Broniker did have a more active role in the offense last year. He did make a few big catches, but sort of the other tight ends. Like Adam Shaheen even got involved last year. So yeah. that, that tight end problem, just for, for Nagy's offense, just what he wants to run and how key it is, his adjuster position, it's problematic. It's, it's the one of the most highly paid positions on the roster. And they're getting nothing from the guys. Absolutely nothing Actually, from the guys. Actually, you guys want a good stat? Yes. Uh, the three of us combined for the same amount of catches as the Bears tight ends did on Sunday. Wow. Yeah. I like that fun fact. <laughs> oh, yeah, there you go. All four, four of us. us. All four Maybe of us. Maybe this yeah. entire yeah. bar. Yeah. No, it's bad. It's not it, a very fun fact. No, it, it's that's bad. That's a sad fact. Yeah, yeah that's a priority, Kevin priority position in the offseason. Uh, I, I know where you're coming from on the Broniker question. I, I think the problem is is we've already seen that he's – when he comes in, there was a drop-off. So – I think Ben Broniker as a tight end is what he is. You know, he's a special teamer. Replacement level tight end, probably, right? So I don't know that if he came in that he'd be doing anything more than Trey Burden and Adam Shaheen are at this point. Because there was definitely a drop-off when he had to fill in last year. Yeah, but he can't be any worse than Adam Shaheen is right now. Yeah, but he can't. Now, well, if you're going to tell me he's going to block better, then I would say put him on the field. But I don't know. Is is he going to block better? I'm ready for Bradley Soul to get out there. Uh, he's going to be cut tomorrow. I, I will say, for those people... If Who gets his spot this week? If you check out the... Not athle- Mike Davis. <laughs> if you check out The Athletic Friday morning, uh, you will see our beginning into uh, previewing draft prospects, and I found a random... Uh, I found a tight end to throw in there, so... Check it out. We're, we're already, already, already bringing our draft oh, preview. Man. I broke down a tight... I didn't break down the tight end. Our draft uh, expert did. It was like in the John Fox era when I would be writing draft stories by October. Yeah. <laughs> First one comes I, out tomorrow. I really enjoyed not having to do that last yeah. year. A now t- you're making me feel like I should start doing yeah. it. Yeah. Tight end to watch. All right. Who's up next? Is Bob? Let's bring Bob into the conversation. Bob's kept a level head and some degree of positivity so far this year, I think. Hey, buddy. Hey, boys. How's it doing? Bob Dabrowski is here. Good to see you guys in uh, the south side of Chicago. I'm from Chicago, so I'm supposed to say where I'm from, and I just did. Sorry, Joel. Uh, (laughs) Boys, I got more of a general statement, but I could also ask a question if you want. Um, I I was not optimistic last week, but I'm feeling good now. I'll just repeat what I've been saying since the day Coach was hired, that uh, before Mitch Trubisky learns how to master this offense, he has to learn how to master a channel changer. And if the reports coming out of Hallis Hall are true, seems like he knows how to master a channel changer. Offense is next. Boom. Six touchdowns. Easy first half. I feel good about it now. You know, that's uh, that's, that's really all we can do now. What? 
<laughs> I think Bob's onto something. Six touchdowns because because like he knows how to work a remote. I, you know, in Mitch's defense, I can't figure out the remotes in the media room either. Yes, that's true. It, they don't it's, work. It's very true. They, they don't match up with the TVs. None of it makes sense. No. We literally have to call people down from the front office to come help. <laughs> We're not lying. Now we can call Mitch. Now Mitch can come help. I, I will say, I thought John Z had a good column this week. And he didn't go back to last year's Lions game. He went back to two years ago. Where Mitch made two amazing plays in the final drive, leading to Connor Barth's missed field goal. Yeah. And it was, that was a moment where like, wow, you know, you can see what Ryan Pace saw. He had a, he had a fourth down strike to Dontrell, or no, he had a fourth down scramble. Fourth and 13 scramble for 19 yards. And then he had a strike to Dontrell Inman and got them in range. Hey, you, you should rewatch that kick. Yeah. Like that, Cody Parkey's double doink is better than that kick. That was back when the Bears <laughs> cut guys for missing game winning kicks. Yes. <laughs> Wait, wasn't that or the. Game, uh, that was a game time kick. Was that this moment? Holy Moses. I think it was. Yeah. No, it wasn't. Uh, They're saying no. Yes, yes, that's what we're talking that's about. That's what yes, we're talking, yeah, talking about. about. Yes, I yes. think it was that yeah, game. Yeah, he shanked that bad. That was the Holy <laughs> Moses game. Yeah. Memories. Bob, Memories. you got a question? or you? Oh, we got another one right here. Uh, okay. Move, Bob. <laughs> hey, how you doing, guys? Uh, Paul from Mayfair. My wife and I came out to see you. Mayfair is a fantastic neighborhood. Just so you know. Yeah, okay. Mayfair is a fantastic neighborhood. Welcome in. Thanks for coming out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I got a question about Mitch. Uh, obviously, it's not enough that he ain't getting better. He's actually getting worse. So my question is, if you had to pick one of these two options for what the biggest barrier for Mitch is, is it his physicality? Like, can he not throw accurate? Is he not physically able? Or is it a mental barrier? Like, he can, right? We've all seen the video of him hitting them three targets twice in a row, whatever, on YouTube. Is it that he thinks himself into freaking out? So is it a physical thing or is it a mental thing? I think it's a speed of the game thing. And trusting yourself in what you're seeing. I, I think it's just when you have when you have a quarterback that isn't trusting what he's seeing. You know, it's almost like yeah. the uh, the Sam Darnold seeing ghost thing a, a couple weeks ago. I think both pre and post snap, he is just not. When when Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy talk about conviction throws, there are not enough conviction throws, and I think that is a result of not trusting himself in what he's seeing and the game just going too fast for him. It's just not slowing down for him, and it's a problem. Yeah, physically, I think he's capable of doing everything. Yes. Yeah. So it's yeah. his head. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think yeah, it's yeah. neck yeah. up. Yeah. I still believe in everything that was in the scouting report from a physical standpoint. The athleticism, the mobility, his arm strength. He can make every throw. There's no question. You still he can see make. it in flashes, like the. the Taylor Gabriel throw in Washington. The throw to Trey Burton two weeks ago. Yeah. Against the Chargers. Yes. Yeah. Over the middle. Did three guys in. He put it right in the perfect spot. And it it was a fastball. Yeah. Physically, he could do everything. Like there's there's some people like he he has these bad overthrows and, and I get it, like at, at one point people were happy that he's at least getting to those guys right yeah. he's seeing the field he's getting to his right read and he's throwing the ball but now it's about mechanics, it's getting everything in order it's getting your feet and your hips moving with your mind, everything seems out of whack now you're talking about confidence issues you got this TV gate stuff going on there's a lot of things swirling around that are above. Above the shoulders right now, I would say. I think that's fair, right, Kip? Yeah, no, I, I do. I, I think it's a good question because what happens is the, the mental deficiencies, I guess, are, are causing some of the physical problems. You know, his footwork, which is such a big thing with him, his footwork gets screwed up because he has tr- – my thinking is he has trouble processing everything going on, and that leads to bad footwork, which leads to a bad throw. 
So it all kind of gets connected in some way. But, yeah, we've all seen him do it. We all know he can do it. Um, he's just got to figure out a way to put it all I, I will say this. I've heard it from a lot of people across the league. They know quarterbacks better than, than we all do. And they think it's a lot of it's mechanical. Like, if he gets, just gets better fundamentals, gets his feet, his hips in order, will help his upper body, and some of those overthrows, he won't be throwing like this. They'll come down. He'll have better completions. But now, but I think there's mecha- other things going on. His yeah. mechanics break down, though, when there's be- pressure, because yeah. everything's moving so fast. Yes, that's yes. what I think. He's just not well, comfortable. That, and that's that Gabriel throw yeah. from last week, right? It was a sl- kind of a slow-developing play action. He had tons of time. He's able to move his passing point. Plenty of protection. He's able to make the throw. And, these, yeah. and, and that throw works along with the catch boom, where he knows first read is going to be open, and he's able to set his feet and make that throw. Those are the two types of throws he's fine with. It's when the first read's not there or he gets under pressure, and then things all everything kind of starts to break down. We'll take uh, another question or two before we dive into the Lions. I think we got a few more questions. Lions game, yeah. Hey, guys. This is uh, Spencer Langley from Downers Grove. I'm the guy who bugged in the airport on the way back from yep. London. Yep. So my question is piggybacking on a, a, a couple points or questions some other guys have asked. So specifically on the production in the passing game, looking at the, the disappointment production we're, coming, we're seeing out of Mitch, how much of this is, do, do you guys think, because I've gone back and forth and thought about this, how much of this is Mitch just failing to execute, not having the right fundamentals like we were talking about, and how much is it that he's put in a situation that he's uncomfortable because of the decisions and the type of offense trying to be run by that coach? Well, I do think that there's something to be said for having to scale back what he actually has to process. Because it's just, there's too much. And, yeah. and, and, you know, unfortunately, like if he's not handling it, it's just sort of the reality. I mean, this is a complex offense. Nagy admits that himself. There's a, there's a, there's a lot of plays. And then there's a lot of things within each play yeah. that you have to know. And not just know. I think Mitch knows it all in his head. I think it's knowing what to do when he's on the field and there's 11 guys wearing different jerseys that are coming yeah. at you. And that applies to other guys other than Mitch, too. Like all of last year, um, they had problems with Anthony Miller being in the right place. Still had a pretty good year for a rookie. Seven touchdown passes led the team. But being in the right places at the right time, not improvising, that was a problem for Miller last year. Now, I think that it, for Taylor Gabriel, that was a topic of conversation today to Hell's Hall. Being accountable and responsible in the, in the office. Now the receivers are in the right places. And you're seeing these guys get open. Mitch isn't getting to them quickly enough. By the time he gets to them, there's pressure in his face. Like Adam said, it brings up a good point. His fundamentals are then shot. The pressure's there. Throw is bad. You got an incomplete pass. By the way, that reminded me. Um, so, our friend here, yeah, he's a perfect example of why you check a bag. You know, don't check a bag. He got caught in London, coming back from London and in Washington, and he had to wait out the delay that we were. Oh, you guys were on the same. He, he had checked the bag. Yeah, okay. never check a bag. I, I learned my lesson. I, <laughs> yeah, I learned my lesson too. Uh, good excuse. Good excuse. That reminds me though that two of the guys from England that we that we got to know the night we. We uh, went out and met some of our listeners in the UK. Yeah, I ran into them at the airport. Yeah, like small world. Very small. It wasn't the it wasn't the coach Berlissimo on t- on Twitter. No, he stays in Europe. Very active on. No, but these guys they lived in uh, northern England. I forget which town, but I ran into them in the airport. Cool dudes. 
What's up, man? How y'all doing? Joe Gaither, Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Oh, you're the one that came from Alabama. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. So, roll Tide for that. Wait, wait. Most importantly, do the Tide cover six and a half this weekend? No. Is Tua coming back? Ooh, okay. No. Ooh. No. All right. No, I don't think so. Okay. Can we get a go Tigers? Mm-hmm. No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that. I think it'll be closer than the six, but uh, Tua will play and we'll win. So... But it'd be like three, maybe maybe less. But wow! I want to ask about Georgia about a Georgia boy. Roquan Smith had a great year last year, uh, and he really started off hot against the Packers, but has really uh, kind of fallen back since his personal issue. I would want to ask if you guys are confident that he will get back to that uh, really high level of play, or if uh, maybe he won't get past this personal issue. It's a good question. Uh, He's been better lately. We're gonna have to buy this guy at Goose Island, by the way. For coming all the way from Alabama, yeah, a couple. Uh, I, I and there it is. Look at this. Hey, service, man. I wish it worked like that, like at my house. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm just sitting watching TV, and I can just be like, man, I really wish I had a beer in my hand right son. now, and my five year old could just hand it to me. Is that illegal? There's plenty of time. No, no. Okay. I, I thought Roquan had his second best game of season against the Chargers. I thought. He looked like Roquan from the first play. He had a great game. In that game. And uh, Philly, I thought he was fine against Philly. I didn't see anything too glaring. Um, I mean, I thought, and we talked about this during the game, I thought Philly's offensive line did a great job going after Trevathan and Roquan Smith, specifically in trying to prevent them. Like we're talking with Lucas over here, that offensive line is fantastic. So I'm I'm not too worried about Roquan at this point. I think... I think he's okay. Uh, yeah. I'll go. I'll, I'll well, stay. he was so bad against the Saints and the, the Raiders. Raiders. Yep. Horrendous. He was better when he didn't play against the Vikings than he was against the Raiders. Yeah. You, one yeah. might argue. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> uh, I did it. He did. Yeah. So I had. I actually had the Chargers game. As Adam Johns looking here. I had the Chargers game as his best game of the year. Yeah. And then the Eagles, I, he did he did end up with a positive grade, but it was barely, you know, it was an okay game. That's all it was. It, to your point about what happened on Sunday, when you go back and watch the tape, it's, once Eddie Goldman was out of the game, yeah. boy, did they you could really tell they missed Akeem Hicks and Eddie Goldman because what those what those uh, what they were doing on the offensive line is they would just double both tackles. When they didn't have a true true nose tackle out there, when the Bears didn't have like Eddie Goldman playing a zero technique, those guards in the center they would double they will double team both of the tackles like basically take them out. Whereas Akeem Hicks would would be able to hold two guys at once when yeah. he got doubled. They bounce, they double, then they bounce, and they get right to the linebacker. That's what was consistently happening throughout the game. And so those those guys were coming clean to Roquan Smith and Danny Trevathan at the second level, and that's what kills you in your running game. Whereas Eddie Goldman and Akeem Hicks, when they get doubled, they can hold those guys there, and then that allows Roquan Smith and Danny Trevathan to come in and clean up. And they just they weren't able to do that against the Saints, and they weren't able to do that against the Eagles. Well, it sounds so simple, but that's why some players are starters. And others are reserves. Yeah. That's why Eddie Goldman got the big contract. That's why Akeem Hicks got the big contract and went to Orlando last year as a pro bowler. And I guarantee Starters you, are starters, man. When, when you talk to Akeem Hicks, the number one thing that frustrates him is, like, everyone's so obsessed with the tackles, the sacks, and the TFLs, and there's no appreciation for when the guy gets double teamed, your job is to just make sure you stay double teamed. Yeah. That it doesn't become a, a quick single team because you want to hold those block and, and and that's fine that's football like and they understand that's their job but there's not enough appreciation for that until they're gone and now you're seeing when they're gone all of a sudden Danny Trevathan and Roquan Smith don't look like the same players. 
So you got yeah, one more question. One here? more question here, and then I think we'll dive into our Lions preview. Hi, I'm Angus Gibson, originally of Chattanooga, Tennessee, but I've been living in Chicago for three years. Yes, sir. And my question is, with Mitch Trubisky playing the way he is, can they give my Theater 100 classmate at the University of Tennessee, Mr. Tyler Bray, a shot? (laughs) (laughs) Really? He and I were classmates in Theater 100, and he had to put on a mini play, had a cardboard school bus around his waist on suspenders, running around like an idiot, and I... Uh, it's one of my favorite memories of Tyler Bray, one of the best quarterbacks if, in recent memory at U of Tennessee. If you have video of that, please share on social media. I really wish I did. When he saw me walk into the room, he looked at me like he had been caught with Dirty Magazine or something yeah. like that. Uh, he looked really embarrassed. <laughs> but I was wondering if they would give him a shot under center. No. <laughs> Next question. <laughs> he, he, might, he might be a better actor than uh, quarterback. Sounds like he did a good job in that theater class. No. Tyler Bray's not happening. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry, man. Sorry. He's there for his voice in the, the quarterback room. He's important for Mitch. That's about it. Yeah. 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 No. I wish we had more. <laughs> you thought about it for a second. <laughs> no. Should we jump into the Detroit Lions? Thanks for all the questions, by the way. We appreciate it. And we do have more shirts, so I think we can, we can hand those to those of you who came out here tonight uh, as long as we have them. All right, Detroit Lions come to Chicago. Guys, it was week 10 last year when our friend Michael Lombardi, who I've never met or actually talked to, but I'm going to call him our friend. Of the athletic. Of the, of the, that's right, he is the athletic. <laughs> I forgot about that. He's a colleague now. He is your colleague. Um, he said that he let's see what he said he would not buy Mitch Trubisky off a discount rack at Filene's basement. Mitch Trubisky went on to have his best game of the season against the Detroit Lions. A career high 355 passing yards, three touchdown passes, and a touchdown run. I believe at one point they were up, up what, twenty six nothing in the game? This sounds yeah. like I was remembering as I, I actually went back and watched some of those guys to kind of get ready for this week, and I forgot that like the Lions did kind of come back. Well, they you, did. well, you remember part of the reason they came back was the Bears left about eight points in the field. That's right. It was the four doink game. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> that was the doink game. Ah, uh, they should have learned their lesson. Holy golly! Yeah. You could argue, I mean, but then the following week, he was special teams player of the week. Correct. Cody Park. He was big in that game against uh, the Vikings. All right, let's talk about this year's Detroit Lions. I don't really, it's kind of fun to talk about how, but Mitch Mitch has had two good games at Soldier Field against Detroit. It's true, because you you referenced the game two years ago. Uh, Right now, though, Detroit's defense, let's talk about them. They could not stop Jacobs last week, and they lost to the Raiders uh, in Oakland. And they're 30th ranked defense right now. So if there is a good week to play Detroit, this or for Mitch to turn things around, this seems like a good matchup for him. Uh, defensively, I, I believe their leading tackler is Mr. Cheese, Christian Jones. You, just, you got a contract extension? You today? got a two-year contract extension. Yeah, good Jeez. for Christian Jones. I like Christian Jones. Not sure I want him to be your leading tackler, though. No. Right? Well, there's a reason why they got the 31st ranked defense or 30th ranked defense. Right. So this is a good. Now they do have Darius Slay, who's a really good corner. Um, we got uh, Flowers. 
Trey Flowers. It kind of looks like they overplayed for Trey Flowers. I'm sure he'll end up back on the Patriots in two years and win another title. That's how that works. Do you think Matt Patricia and Matt Nagy are in like a club where they talk about what it's like to lose to the Raiders? The Raiders might not be that bad, man. They, I mean, they the Lions are the Lions. Right can, we, can we just get to that point? That they, go ahead. The Raiders are up 10 nothing right now as we're recording. Against the Chargers. Who beat the Bears. And the Packers. So who was I? Was I texting with you, Kevin, today that said the, the Lions almost beat the Chiefs? Uh, they did almost yeah, beat the Chiefs. They should have beat the Packers. They should have beat the Packers. But isn't that just the, what the Lions are? Yeah. Shoulda, woulda, coulda. They, they it's have literally a, the story of their franchise, they have a especially very, now with Matthew Stafford. They have a very so good close. quarterback who for 11 years has kept them in games year after year after year, and they've had no running game and no defense, and Matthew Stafford allows them to win random games and come back and make games crazy. He's got a lot of comebacks. Yeah. Gets a lot of yards and garbage time. Could read more about Matthew stuff. Stafford tomorrow at the Athletic. He's, he's just plugging the Athletic left I mean, and right. Hey, came all the way out. But they're here. still. That, that's Abusing my point. Using the though. bell, you're gonna break it. That's my it. point, though. They're still the Lions. And Stafford, oh, you're gonna talk him up now. Stafford. Well, Stafford's having a great year. Yeah, that's fine. Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones. Marvin Jones is hot right now. He's had two really good weeks as of late. Uh, he can catch the 50-50 ball downfield. Uh, this J.D. McKissick guy is running the football for them now. Caught a big touchdown pass late in the game. He can he can run routes out of the backfield, but I don't know. They, they don't have a great running game, though. So, we should mention, Eddie Goldman did not practice yesterday. Was limited today. That's a step in the right direction. Because I was going to say, they missed him a lot when he was off the field. This is, again, kind of a good week. If you're not going to have Eddie Goldman to play the Lions, that is a good thing. Um, Because, like, next week you're playing Todd Gurley, by the way. You might need him then. Yeah. So, still, though, I'd rather have Eddie Goldman on the field. Adam, this is another game that the Bears should win. And it's the Marvin Hall revenge game. Yes. (laughs) Forgot about him. This is another game the Bears should win. Key word is should. They've been favored in every single game this year but one. But one. Last week against the Eagles. Yep. Favored against the Saints, got blown out. Favored against the Chargers, Eddie Pinheiro missed. It's hard to pick the Bears. What what was the spread in the Chargers? Four and a half. So they wouldn't have covered even if he made the field goal. They're favored for a reason. They're still a good team despite Mitch Trubisky's struggles, despite the offensive struggles. Still a top-notch defense, even though I've I've criticized him a lot lately for not getting off the field. Yep. They should win this game. I don't know if they will, though. Okay, well, Lions, Bears. Bears are two-and-a-half-point favorites, as you mentioned, noon Sunday on CBS. Predictions. Predictions. Blackhawks just scored. 2-0. Andrew Shaw, find the power play. Okay. Is that your prediction for Sunday? No. (laughs) I just thought WGN Radio's podcast would want to know. Oh, yeah, they do. They do. You should listen to the Blackhawks Crazy podcast. WGNRadio.com. All right. Johns, you and I were walking to our cars yesterday at Hallis Hall, and I said that I had convinced myself, or I had talked myself into a Bears win, and now now I was trying to talk myself out of talking myself into. Does that make sense? Well, since then, I've talked myself into a Bears win. Okay. Why don't you explain yourself then? Because the Lions are still the Lions. Yeah. And as good as Matthew Stafford's numbers are, He's still Matthew Stafford, right? Is that a compliment? I don't know if it's a compliment. He's been pretty good. That's fine. 
he needs to be pretty better. <laughs> that makes sense. Like, so I got Bears, 23. What did I got here, Kev? What did I put in? 23-16 Bears, low-scoring game. Um, they win by seven, though. Yeah, yeah, they should win. I think my bold prediction is a defensive touchdown. Someone just screamed Somebody. from the back. Bold predictions. Somebody like that. Yes, yes. It's been a long time. Can I tell you uh, what my bold prediction is? This is actually based on some tape study. Tariq Cohen's going to return a touchdown, a kick for a touchdown, or a punt for a touchdown. He's been very, very close twice. I didn't even realize until I went back and watched the end zone angle of that one the other day. He just had the punter to beat. Devin Hester would have scored that so easily. Now he's Devin Hester, but... He had just a punter to beat, and he could make like the quick cut to juke him, and he ended up getting slowed up by the punter and then tackled. He's been so close, and the Lions last week watching them, they're close to giving up a couple. So I think this week, Tariq Cohen finally breaks one for a punt return touchdown. And what's your final score? Did you talk yourself into it yeah. and talk yourself out of it and talk yourself back into it? I do think the offense gets going a little bit against his defense. Um... I'm just going to say 21 to 17 Bears. Uh, I got uh, Bears 19, Lions 17. I think that we saw in Washington that this offense can be good against a bad defense. And if you look through the defenses the Bears have played, you know, they've played some pretty good defenses this year. You know, and, and so I say they take advantage of a bad defense and they play good at home play well at home they do good at home and uh you know what i do with my picks if i think the bears are going to win i have them win but not cover that's called the hedge (laughs) so i am my picks against the spread this year are very good i am six and two wow yeah i am three and five straight up that's pretty good. Because I just, I mean, I can't sit here and say the Bears are going to win by 7, 10, 12, 14. So would you say they win by 2? Win by 2. So they don't cover. Yeah. Fair enough. And the, you know what? Detroit, all these games they've almost won, they've they've been in them. They've yeah, had and, chances and, to And win. if I predict the Bears to lose, like I did last week, it's, I predict a close loss because they've been, they've you know, they've only lost by, what, more than 8 points once under Nagy? That was the Saints game. And John Gruden tried as hard as he could to give the Lions a touchdown at the end of that game. Why he called timeout, I have no idea. I don't know if you guys saw that, but the clock's ticking down. It's like they weren't even going to get a playoff, and he called timeout to help them. But he got away with it. All right, should we dive into other games this weekend? We probably should get through these relatively quickly. Um, we'll start, though, with the Green Bay Packers. They host the Carolina Panthers. The Packers are five-and-a-half-point favorites, 325 Sunday on Fox. Panthers cover. Panthers cover. Christian McCaffrey. Packers coming off their loss to the Chargers. Panthers been a good team. Put Cam Newton on. I IR. saw a stat the other day that the, the Bear or the Packers defense is starting to show signs of uh, breaking down. I saw something about the Packers offense being like 31st in the league in some stat over the last few weeks. Yeah, that doesn't oh. sound right because they had that really big game a couple weeks ago. Yeah, cut this, cut this part, Joe. You could cut this. Cut when I said that. Just pretend it never happened. It never happened. Uh, especially the run defense. And as you mentioned, Christian McCaffrey. I think the Panthers cover. Yeah, I'm with you on Panthers cover. Think so? Yeah. All right. What else? Go ahead. I'm listening. All right. Vikings at Cowboys. This is your Sunday night game. Good Sunday night game. Cowboys are three-point favorite at home against Minnesota. has been playing well. 
Uh, they lost last week. Could they lose to last week? Chiefs in overtime. Oh, that's right. Matt Moore, baby. Yeah, but it is the Chiefs. In Who it. needs Patrick Mahomes? At Arrowhead. Well, the Chiefs do, and he's coming back this week. And Andy Reid's offense, you know. They can they can uh, they do pretty well even with the backup quarterback. Are is there are they gonna start the like the whole uh, you know how Bill Belichick's assistants are all bad when they go off to be head coaches? Is that gonna be the I think that's the opposite of Andy Reid's. Doug story, Peterson though. won a Super Bowl. Yeah. So Ron Rivera's in a Super Bowl. John Harbaugh won a Super Bowl. Bad, bad take there, Adam Hogue. I asked a question. <laughs> How about Mark Tressman's assistants? Mel Tucker is part of a national championship team, right? Yeah. Aaron Cromer got Aaron arrested. Cromer. <laughs> he's, with, he's with the Rams. Mel you know? Tucker's under 500 at Colorado. Anyway, I am picking the Cowboys. Mel Tucker <laughs> developed the Roquan Smith. I, I don't like either. I don't. I think both these teams are kind of fraudulent. In really? Some ways. Yeah, I'm not high in either of them. But I so I would take the home team. I think I think both these teams are teams that play significantly better when they are at home than when they're on the road. So I will take the home Cowboys over a Vikings team that just isn't the same when they're away from Minnesota. They haven't, but but they beat the Lions on the road. I thought they played pretty tough against the Chiefs last week. Uh, Kirk Cousins has been better. I made the mistake of going against the Packers when they played in Dallas. So I am actually going to take the Vikings here mm. in this game. You know, I think Adams had a good season. All right, this game we're just doing for fun because it's so bad. The Giants play the Jets in New York. Well, in New Jersey. Two New York teams playing in New Jersey. The Jets are technically the home team, so they're a two-and-a-half-point home dog noon Sunday on Fox. I have a strong take on this game, which is also part of the reason why I wanted. If it. you're Adam Gase, can you believe that you were an underdog to the New York Giants? I mean, look how far. I mean, not that anybody expected the Jets to be good. Yeah. But how pathetic have they become since they? Be, I can't believe they beat the Cowboys a couple weeks ago. Is it that was three or four weeks ago? Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. During the Bears' bye. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, ended up, the, I ended up watching like most of that game. As bad as the Bears are, and, and you got TV gate, and you got body language gate, and you got all this stuff, you know, about watching the Colts film, the the Jets are an absolute laughingstock. Yeah. Give me the Giants. Yeah. What, what do you think Manish would write if he was covering the Bears? Our friend Manish Mehta from the New York Daily News. He'd <laughs> <laughs> have a field day. Yeah. Give me, yeah, give, give me, give me the Giants. I'm taking the Giants all day. I love this. So, where's your hot take? It's just I love the Giants in this game. I think that they have a, I think they have more talent than people realize. The Jets are a disaster. I am going so far to doing this to the New York Football Giants. You better lock it up. You better lock it up. You lock it up. Lock it up. Lock it up. Lock it up. Rams at Steelers. Steelers, three-and-a-half-point home underdog. Pick on this because the Rams are the Bears' next opponent. 325 at Sunday on Fox. Steelers are feisty. They are. I mean, they've, they've played some really good football. Ever since that Chargers, they beat the Chargers on Sunday night football? Sunday night, Monday night? Either or. Sunday night. They're all the same. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm kind of okay with the Steelers covering this one. I don't Me know too. if they went outright, but... I kind of like the, the them coming. You got East Coast or excuse me, LA team playing East Coast. Hey, I just think in general the Rams aren't. Did as you just good put Pittsburgh we... on the coast? Eastern time zone. Excuse me. He did. Geography is <laughs> like a strong suit. Building walls in Colorado. <laughs> anyway, know your geography. <laughs> 
I, I don't think the Rams are as good as people thought they were or as, or as, as good as they think they are. Um, I actually think they might be in for a little reckoning in a week here. Um, oh, wow, just a double pick of the Bears yeah, in yeah, one, yeah, one yeah, podcast. Yeah, yeah. He's got the Bears going 2-0 yeah, this I, week. I'm not saying they're going to win, but um, in this regard, give me the Steelers. I like the Steelers, too. Joe, you should be in the on these picks. You still have the uh, Rams, lock it up, dude. Rams lock it up. Wow, he goes the opposite you way. Lock it up. You better lock it up. You lock it up. You lock it up. Lock it up. Lock it up. All right, last one uh, in the NFL. The Seahawks at 49ers. Finally, a good Monday night game. There is no way the 49ers are winning this game. Really? Robbie Gold not does not look like he's going to play. Yeah, they signed Chase McLaughlin, who is Illini. the uh, Chargers kicker two yeah. weeks ago at Soldier Field. That was his first miss at Soldier Field in his career. He had been perfect. Are the Seahawks really six-point dogs? Six-point dogs, yep, in Se- San Francisco. Seahawks defense is not good. That's a hot take. Uh, do you see what Tampa Bay did to them last week? Uh, I scored did. a lot of points. I really enjoyed that game because I was playing Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, and Chris Godwin. John Z, is he done talking about his fantasy team? Yes, he is. Um, I'm going to go with the Seahawks. Russell Wilson's going to keep this close. He's an MVP candidate for a reason. He's going to keep this one close. I, I know the 49ers have an outstanding defense in... Jimmy G's coming around, hitting on Aaron Andrews and on national television and whatnot. Yeah, um, that was weird. Yeah. Hey, look, uh, we've all seen what happens to teams when they have to go to a different kicker than Robbie Gold. Yes, yes, yes. Um, so. <laughs> Seahawks. Seahawks cover. Seahawks. I don't like how much we're agreeing. I do. At some point, the 49ers got to... I don't know, lose, but this is a rivalry game. I think these two teams play in Week 17, by the way, which could be interesting. Uh, All right, let's uh, move on to our college football picks. All right, we'll start with a game that should not be being played at 11 a.m. The Penn State... Nittany Lions. Uh, by the way, we're at the officially using college football rankings from this point on because the official college football p- poll came out this week. But Penn State's at Minnesota, and uh, Minnesota's a six and a half point home dog against Penn State. Oh, do you have to explain to Johns what the college football playoff rankings are? I feel like our friend should, from Alabama should come up here and do my picks. Really? <laughs> or at least we should let Joe do them because he'll put some effort and time into it. Here he comes. <laughs> Penn State, lock it up. I mean, I, I'm I, I'm not I'm not a believer in the Golden Gophers. I you better lock it up. You better lock it up. No, you lock it up. You lock it up. Lock it up. Lock it up. Penn State at Minnesota. Who you picking? Six and a half. Minnesota's the underdog. Doesn't he always go with the home dog? You got to go with that. Yeah, but it's not a night game. It should be a night game. Should be a night game. If yeah, this, we'll still go with Minnesota. PJ Fleck, roll your boat. Yeah, PJ Fleck, look roll at that. The, All right. Row the boat. He's got yeah. a new big contract, man. Florida yeah. State came calling. Well, I think those Nittany Lions are going to chew a hole through the boat this week. How about that? Give me Penn State. You better lock it up. You better lock it up. You lock it up. You lock it up. Lock it up. Lock it up. I love the name. You've locked up two games. If they, carry on. That's fine. If it was a night game, I would go with Minnesota, but it's not. Seriously. After that monster extension from P.J. Fleck? Who you got? Yeah, no, that's why the reason why they're going to lose this week. Oh, he's going to take it easy now? He's well, he's not. It's just, yeah. He's going to bust out all the stops. Gophers, baby. Gophers, okay. They cover. Penn State wins. We're in a Badger bar. I can't, I can't pick the Gophers. Uh, all right. 
Speaking of the Badgers, number 18, Iowa, at number 13, Wisconsin. The Badgers, nine-and-a-half-point favorite, 3 o'clock Saturday on Fox. Kev came up to me in the meeting room today and said, uh, is that number too high? And you convinced me, not too high. I have changed my mind. Badgers are back. Back. Wisconsin wins by two touchdowns. Wow. Yeah. What do you think? That sounds like a lock. Yeah, I'll go with Wisconsin as well. I think by law, we have to pick the Badgers in here. You get thrown out otherwise. It's a Badgers bar. Uh, I actually would stay away from this game if I had to. I think Wisconsin wins. I'm just a little, you know, where's their mindset after that awful Illinois loss followed by losing? I mean, they've lost two games in a row. Unfortunately, in this college football playoff world, that kind of means your season's over. I guess technically they can still go to the Rose Bowl, which does mean something there. But um, my gut tells me they will bounce back, go back to that team that was crushing teams earlier this year, which is why I think they'll cover the 9.5. But I need to see it before I would actually put money on it, if you know what I mean. So uh, I am going to go with the Badgers, too. Yeah, uh, tough team to read. You know, up and down season. They wax Michigan. They get waxed by Ohio State. And then that shocker in Illinois. So. Yeah. I don't know, man. I don't think I would lay 10 points against Iowa. Yeah, with their good defense. Yeah, yeah that's tough to do. Uh, all right. Then the big one, number two, LSU. At number three, Alabama. Six points. The Alabama Crimson Tide favored 230 Saturday on CBS. I can't believe there's uh, no good games this weekend. Yeah. No good games? Why is there no, but there's no night, there's no good night games. Yeah, I guess CBS chose to have the Georgia-Notre Dame game for the night game, the SEC. I guess there's certain rules about when they can play. Yeah. Phillip Rivers just threw his second interception in the uh, red zone. Mm. We got a flag down. Um, I, 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 here's he got to work on his play-by-play. I know. <laughs> I know that. On, did you learn anything? I, know, I just wrote about it. I think, I mean, the Tua, question, the Tua injury is, you know, it's there. Nick Saban, game of the year at home. Like, how can I not take Alabama? It's just, I mean, I love LSU. It's been so fun to watch them this year. It's as good as they've been, and Alabama's not what they were last year. But, like, I don't want to. Here's what I think. I don't want to pick LSU and then Alabama wins. and be like, well, why, well, yeah, why wouldn't yeah. you pick Alabama at home? And I think Nick Saban likes these challenges where it's like he, he ramps up his game-planning game for something like this. That's exactly where I am, too, because I actually love this LSU team. They have a quarterback for once. They have a good offense. We've seen Alabama lose games like this before. I mean, it's been a while, but, like, you know, I have to bring up kick six. Sorry. Uh, I mean, there have been, like, big games like this that they have lost, but... Chargers touchdown. Melvin Gordon plunges in from two yards out. Badger. Wait, didn't you just say Philip Rivers threw an interception? Yeah, but I said there was a flag on the play. <laughs> he did, anyway, he did say there was a flag. What's I, our friend from Alabama think? You're, what, you're he already game? said earlier. He says go LSU. Yeah, Alabama's going to win, but uh, covering the six, I'm not. I'm not confident on covering the six. I think it's going to be like 45, 42, 38, 35. In that, it's going to be high scoring. Alabama's defense is uh, suspect at best. Ooh, wow. you, do, you, t- you do take the dog in a shootout. Suspect defense. Maybe I'll switch to LSU. Versus a real LSU offense. I kind of want to. It's just going to be a shootout, really. Who gets the ball last? I'm going to stick with Alabama. I don't love it, though. RTR. Roll Tide. Roll Tide Roll. You just sticking with his pick? I am. Okay. Are we ready for the game of the week? Oh, yeah. We got to give him... Thanks, buddy. Thanks for coming. Seriously. Uh, 15 seconds. Northwestern Purdue. 
So this is the game of the week, 11 a.m. Ryan Field. It's going to be 40 degrees. you got two third-string quarterbacks against each other. I think Northwestern has their offensive explosion. They are back. The Cats are back. Northwestern, six, Purdue, three. Time. <laughs> so they cover the two and a half. They cover two and a half. Six, I, three, Cats. This is my favorite line of the week. Northwestern is favored by two and a half points. They have averaged two points over the last three weeks. Yeah, <laughs> six, three. Two field goals. Favorite line of the week. Their touchdown drought continues, but the Cats are back. Cats are back. All right. Fitz will take it. Thoughts, Joe? Let's move on. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. We should uh, get out of here. Thanks to everyone who came out tonight. We appreciate it. Uh, good crowd here at Crawls. Hope you enjoyed the Goose Island. Thanks to the great people at Goose Island for having us out here tonight as well. Really enjoyed it. Um, the Bears are back. John says got them going 2-0 and this week. Already hasn't beaten the Rams. Forget 1-0 this week. I'm on 2-0. Matt Nagy's going to be really upset if he hears you talking about going 2-0. <laughs> it's all about going 1-0. Uh, all right. Follow us on Twitter. At Adam Hogue. At Adam Johns. At Kay Fishbane. He's got great thoughts on the uh, TV situation at House Hall. I've tweeted zero times about the TV situation. Good for you. That's all. And you've only tweeted once. It wasn't until this morning, and I retweeted yours. He tweeted 27 times about the TV situation. No, no. Like, maybe. Actually. Did you? Since then? This morning? Today? I had to argue with Danny Parkins on the score and Danny Zetterman on ESPN. I missed that. I missed that. I'll have to check that out. Uh, All right. Read us at WGNRadio.com slash Bears The Athletic. Subscribe on The Athletic. Listen to our bonus podcast there. In the meantime, we will talk to you Sunday from Soldier Field. See if the Bears can end this losing streak. Talk to you then. See ya. We won this game tonight. Adam Hall will be rhetorically dancing with his verbiage. <laughs>